This is Donald Parham. You're listening to Chargers Unleashed, part of the LA Football Network. Stay digging. Hey, this is Chris from the second Chargers outside linebacker. Make sure you check out Chargers Unleashed. Guys, the Chargers Unleashed, Sebastian Joseph Day, you know the vibes. We outside. Are you checking in with Mike Williams from the LA Chargers and you're tuning in to the Chargers Unleashed? You're listening to the Chargers Unleashed podcast with your host, Dan Wolkenstein and Jake Hefner. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Bet Online, Charger Bolt Family, Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia, and Athletic Greens. If this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Dan Wolkenstein. Mm. Hello. Hi. It's an obvious somber tone in my voice, an obvious somber feeling across the Chargers fan base on this Monday, January 16th, 2023. And rightfully so, because this is a line that I hate repeating, and I have said it a couple times since Dan and I have been doing this show, but the Chargers, once again, were on the wrong side of history this past Saturday with an absolutely crushing performance, blowing a 27-point lead to ultimately lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars, 31-30. to And Dan, it, we've heard this type of phrase associated with this fan base for years and years and years and years. Anything that can happen will happen. And if if that was a physical manifestation, if that phrase was a, was a book, the Chargers would most certainly be the author of that book. <laughs> I don't really know what to say, Dan. We were on our uh, Spaces conversation last night on Twitter, got to interact with a lot of Chargers fan base to just try to get our pulse on what everybody's feeling after that. There's there's not much more you can say about that type of performance. And now as we officially head into the offseason, a lot of questions have arose about Brandon Staley about the coaching staff. Where does this team go from here? And we're going to try our best to have our own theories and try to make something of it as we progress (laughs) with this whole situation. Dan Wilkenstein, I know you're feeling it. Um, Definitely all the athletic greens in the world is not going to help you today, sir. I guarantee you. But uh, number one... I, I know the the answer is rhetorical, but how are you feeling this morning? Oh, I'm just lovely. Uh, everything in Chargers land is wonderful. Um, no, it sucks. You know, uh, I tend to be the optimist. I tend to be looking at the positives in many things in life, um, including the Chargers. Uh, and there's lots to be positive about, but in reality, the Chargers season is now over. And we are on to 2023. And there's lots to be upset about. Frustrations are everywhere from everyone, both in-house as well as from fans and pundits and national local media. This is a live show. This is a live show. So you guys know what to do. Obviously, first hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, Leave comments, questions, topics in the chat here, and we'll go ahead and 
discuss them. We want to kind of give folks the ability to vent and take part in this healing process with us. Uh, the goal of this conversation that we are all going to have together here this morning, actually not technically this afternoon, high noon, what's next for the Los Angeles Chargers? We'll talk a little bit about the game, but that will kind of get sprinkled into what's next and what's needed for this team. Um, so first and foremost, we're in this together. Saturday night sucked. Most of us didn't sleep. Lots of profanity, lots of drinking, lots of hangovers the next day. Uh, but we've made it to Monday. We'll probably find out some news. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about head coaching. What should they do? Coordinators, what should we do? What do we need to see next year in the season? What do we need to see in the offseason? Talk maybe a little bit of draft stuff. Uh, who are some candidates to look for on this staff? What do they need to do to fix it? And of course, questions, topics everybody has. So, Jake, <clears throat> over under number of tears <laughs> shed by a one Dan Wolkenstein Saturday night. You better put a decent number. I'm gonna put the o- I'm gonna put the over under. 16 and a half. <laughs> oh, that's definitely over. <laughs> that's definitely over. You know, I'm going to I'm going to refrain from giving the answer to that, but uh maybe later when when I'm healed a little bit more. Uh, I Jake, can let's... I can spoil it for you and tell you how many tears were shed by Jake Hefner and that's zero and I can tell you why because of my good friend Woodford Reserve. It it helped keep a lot Buddy! of those a lot of those tears <laughs> internally, and then it was just flat out anger. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so with that, open up comments. We'll go ahead and kind of get things going. Uh, we will bring on the good and the bad of these comments. So we're not hiding away. We're not shying away from conversations that people want to have. Uh, Jake, before we get into comments, let's talk about our friends over at Bet Online. Well, we want to remind everybody that Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports waging information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, tennis, boxing, or even golf. So head on over to betonline.ag and join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. And make sure to use that promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Well, Jake, fans, listeners, viewers, let's just start right off the top. Cam Schuster, shout out to San Diego Padres, by the way, who are looking pretty good. Uh, fire everything and everyone. Three exclamation points, all caps. Dan, you know that you, you sometimes you hear this, like whether you're in school or whatnot, and somebody says, you know, hey, can, you know, I have a stupid question, and then the, and so, then someone would say, there, there are, are no, no stupid there questions. are no stupid questions. There are no limitations on the feelings of what people can say right now, because I fully get it. I fully understand why this fan base is frustrated and these reasons are valid. These reasons are are frustrated. So I, I do not blame anybody that comes with all the fire. And I know I've critiqued that in the past of just telling people to calm down, whether that's during the regular season, but today (laughs) I'm I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm not telling people to shy away from it or be realistic because these type of feelings in a situation that took place in the playoffs 
you just can't get around that. Alan and G two exclamation points behind this fire Staley. Lots of people are upset with what transpired, not just in that week 19 wildcard game, but week 18 and how the roster was managed and injuries that were sustained. Some of the play calling, some of the lack of adjustments, you know, we'll get into this stuff. There's a lot of people who are unhappy with Brandon Staley and have lots of questions and rightly so. Jake and I both have many gripes and many questions about how this season ended and how they can fix this. And if Brandon Staley is on that group of people to fix it. Um, Alan, I I hear you. Uh, Zach Benson, Jake, this team would be unstoppable (laughs) if we could convince the league to limit games to two quarters. Specifically, I'm going to paraphrase for Zach, Limit it to the second and the fourth quarter. I mean, not, third quarter not on Saturday's game. <laughs> Actually, no. I'm going to go first quarter, fourth on quarter. Saturday that's game. What, that's where we go. Uh, yeah, one of the biggest gripes, Jake, that I think we both have, and you've talked about it at nauseum, is the blatant and obvious lack of consistency on this team in all phases, except probably special teams how they how they are able to be that polarizing polarizingly good elite defense first half first actor first jacksonville to polarizingly bad defense second half first jacksonville offense at times looked good but then most of the game was atrocious play calling there are hints of it, for the most part, atrocious. And so this unstoppable two-quarter hope, it's sad that that's the reality that you have to live in. And looking at a team that is that elite-looking in the first half, it gives you a glimpse into what they can be. But then when you see the, tr- the train come off the tracks, like it did that second half, and there was nobody that was putting out any sort of concerted effort to fix the train track. The whole thing went up in flames. That's, I think, what is so frustrating, is the bystanders seemingly on the team who just watched the train crash. Dan, that's been one of my biggest gripes with this Staley slash Lombardi system that has gone into play throughout this entire season. And I've told you several personal conversations that we've had offline when it, when it came to either a, a close win or an inexcusable loss, my question always reverted back to the same phrase. Based off of what you're watching and where the Chargers stand, whether that was after a win or a loss, I'm at my same question was, where has the consistency been and do you trust them to right the ship? Now, eventually, over this last month during their four-game winning streak, even in a loss to Denver... I thought that certain things that they were doing offensively, getting ready for the playoffs, looked better. Obviously, defense for those four-game stretch that they won just came back with a huge resurgence, helped get them to the playoffs in the first place. So you started to think, okay, we're, we're starting to 
get some of these other players rather than relying on the household name big time players to win us games. You're getting more out of the rest of your unit. Starting to put things together, the offense the last two weeks of the season, I thought the game plan looked a lot better just in terms of their balance between running the ball, passing the ball. It looked more efficient and gearing up for playoffs. I felt that that's what they needed to do. Now, you just chose the absolutely inexplicably wrong time to go back to your old ways and the things that have hindered this team throughout the regular season, the things that have raised questions about this coaching staff all season. I don't understand the logic of how you can just move away from things that are working so emphatically. Dan, it's not just on defense, it's on offense as well. How you go from the coverage that you were running in Jacksonville in the first half to continue to run the same exact coverage on essentially almost every single scoring series that Jacksonville had to make to get themselves back into that game. You were playing to protect the lead at that point. You weren't playing to win the game. And that's not what you do in the playoffs. That's not what you do. And then flip it to the offensive side of the ball. You know, you still get the ball back. Jacksonville just wasn't getting back-to-back possessions and keeping the ball. How there was more incompletions than rushing attempts in the second half. With the 20-point lead. I do not understand that whatsoever. You take out one of your most versatile weapons of this offense in Austin Eckler. Now, I've said this. The Chargers, despite the great stats that Austin Eckler put up this season, they're not a really good running team. They haven't been that other than maybe certain games. You look at the Rams game. You look at the Cleveland game. They've done it in spurts. But how you're not utilizing Austin Eckler even in the past game? Where Where is that, that you're not utilizing him? NFL's leader. Weapon in receptions in the NFL. It's baffling to me. 38 touchdowns over two years. And it's and it's inexcusable how that does not happen at that point in the game when you have that big of a lead. So there are so many questions and things that are really just you could totally say unforgivable for situations like this. For a handful of coaches, you lose a game like this, you're out. You're out. So I, I I don't understand how we got from here to there throughout one half of football to the second half of football, but it is just a shame that it wasn't like this just popped up. And I think that this is why Chargers fans are so frustrated is because we have seen these little tea leaves throughout the regular season here and there, and then everything just came together in the most disgusting Christmas package that we can imagine and shoved in our face for all the world to see. And there's lots of ramifications from this. Uh, Chargers boys comes in with a question. Should we be concerned that if this doesn't turn around, Herbert might not want to sign an extension with his team. I'm afraid about how this is affecting him personally or mentally. Excuse me. You heard and saw some post game discussions with Justin uh, you saw some pretty incredible writing from Daniel Popper. Kind of talked about his mindset and uh, how he, how distraught he looked. Kind of the emptiness of the gaze sitting at his locker. 
the black shoes mimicking kind of the the 90s bulls and just the defeat. You heard Justin kind of talk about, you know, it's going to make them hungrier. They're going to learn from this, move forward. Uh, But the ultimate question is, if the Chargers don't turn this around, does Justin want to stay? Now, Jake, I know people are upset and people are, uh, you know, they're going to extremes. Justin's staying. Justin isn't going where he's been a lifelong Chargers fan. He loves his team. He loves the coach. He loves his teammates. Justin's not going anywhere. Now, I'm afraid about how this is affecting him mentally. Personally, I'm not afraid of how it's affecting him mentally. He seems like the type of guy who who handles adversity well, and he's done so his entire life. Um, it's I think the part that is concerning and unfortunate is they've had three years of stellar Justin Herbert on a rookie deal. And they have one playoff appearance and zero playoff wins to show for it. At minimum, you want to give him experience and you want to get him as far as you can. You look at what happened with Joe Burrow. You look at what happened with uh, Patrick Mahomes, how quickly they rose. You look at Lamar Jackson, how quickly they went up. Just, like Justin has all the stats, all the intangibles, all the, the visuals, all the highlights, all of the it factor. Yet this team isn't there. The offense isn't there. And Jake, one of the things that I think you and I need to kind of talk about, and I think a lot of people have to think about, is really understanding why they're not there and what slash who is at fault for that. There's a lot of layers to that, which we're going to try to get into a little bit here. Um, Jake, are you at all worried about Justin Herbert's mentality or him staying long-term? I mean, that's a, obviously it's a big thing to overcome. I mean, you want to just put things in a nutshell when the Atlanta Falcons blew a 28 to three lead to the new England Patriots in the Super Bowl, They haven't come back since. So it's a, again, we're talking about a different team, different coach, different quarterback, but still you do this on a playoff stage and it's going to be with you for a minute. And it's basically based on how you respond with that. Now, you could use an example that was right in this game. Trevor Lawrence throws four interceptions. Jaguars turn the ball over five times in the first half. And where most quarterbacks would just wilt and not be able to fully recover from that, you have a veteran presence like Doug Peterson, who's won a Super Bowl, veteran head coach, who has helped rise that team out of the ashes from the Urban Meyer days. And they're a team that four times during this season overcomes 17-point deficits. So I'm sure he went to him and said, look, we've been here before. This is what we're going to do. Now, obviously, the Chargers had a hand in a lot of the things that had to get done for them to make that kind of comeback. But really, it comes with the experience and the coaching in order to make something like that happen. And Doug Peterson had that on Saturday night, and Brandon Staley did not. Simple, simple aspect of that. So moving forward, Justin Herbert's mentality as it relates to this team, yes, I don't think that he's going anywhere. I think obviously the organization knows how special he is and they will do anything that they can to extend him. And I'm not worried about that whatsoever. But in terms of going into next year, how do you get over this? Well, you can look at this as either one way of motivation from yourself because 
Justin Herbert will be the first one to tell you that even though he didn't make any mistakes in this game, he probably could have played a lot better. Oh, he made mistakes. So he made mistakes. I mean, there there wasn't a lot of mistakes. The ball wasn't turnover, but you you missed the obvious touchdown to Keenan Allen, sailed that one over his head in the end zone. But still, it, it definitely wasn't one of his best games. Screen pass he, to Eckler. So, yes, he. I think that he can recover from this. Agreed. Uh, we have a ton of comments in here. Let's kind of go rapid fire here for a bit so we can kind of catch up. Um Chargers boys asked, do you guys think an extension gets worked out this spring for Justin Herbert? Jay, yes or no? It's it's tough because we're not talking about an offseason where the Chargers had so much cap space going into last year. Now what you have is, depending on what type of things you can move around, whether it's restructures, whether it's certain guys that won't be with this team next year that's going to open up some cap space, I think that most of your work is going to be done in-house, namely getting Drew Tranquil. Uh, his second contract with this team because definitely uh, he's the best at what you have at that position. And if you think that it's going to be a no brainer or not, not that big of an impact to let him walk, I would (laughs) advise someone highly against that. He needs to be under contract here. So you need to take care of him. If Trey Pipkins is indeed going to be your right tackle of the future, then you need to see what you could work out with him. Bryce Callahan was on a one-year deal. You need to see if you want to bring him back or if you're ready to let the Jasir Taylor project begin. Um, I'm not so sure. It would take a little bit of creativity, which in terms of contracts goes, thankfully the Chargers have that when it comes to putting together contract numbers. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't be surprised, but just as far as looking at the available cap space now, and again, I'm not sure how much the cap is going to go up in the year 2023, but I think that they may have to hold off on that until 2024. You heard, I think Justin was asked about it about a contract extension talks. And he said, it has not been talked about yet. Um, I don't think it's going to happen this off season, but I could see it happening early in the season. That's just my guess. I don't know anything. Um, that's my guess. All right, Jake, rapid fire. We'll go quickly here just to catch up. Uh, Orlando or asks this right up your alley, Jake, what position makes sense for our first round draft pick? I would really love for us to go wide receiver, but definitely wouldn't mind seeing us go into your defensive line or free safety. Jake, what makes sense? For a first round draft pick, I mean, all all three of these options have to be targets for the for the Chargers in the draft. My philosophy is this should be the question when the Chargers are making their draft picks: is is one of these picks either giving my offense another weapon, or is one of these picks helping to stop Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs? Those are the only two questions that really should relate to any pick that the Chargers select. So, out of these three, as far as the conversation goes, you know, normally safeties are not highly coveted in the first round. So I would probably say that 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 would eliminate that one. But I definitely think that safety is going to be a target of theirs. I think, I think, unfortunately, Nasir Adderley has played his last snap for the Chargers. Um, Unfortunately, he just hasn't been able to put it together when Alohi Gilman is finally getting starting games over him when it's not injury related. I think that that kind of gives you a little bit of writing on the wall. Um, Wide receiver, we all expected the Chargers to go out and get a speed option for them last year, and it didn't happen. And you see the lack of options at receiver that they failed to invest in throughout the season, even when they had injuries and how that hampered him. So wide receiver, depending on where they're picking, I mean, today, I guess, based on the outcome of the game goes, the Chargers could be selecting at either 20th or 21st. It's not the traditional type of wide receiver draft with like three big name guys that 
any one of them could be the first wide receiver um, drafted off, first off the board, but it definitely has some good elements as it relates to what the Chargers need, and that's speed. So, yes, I definitely could see that as a target. And me personally, I think that you, one need missing. To, you need to reload the interior defensive line. You let mm-hmm. Jerry Tillery walk for after the first round bust that he ended up ended up being. You're going to uh, obviously have Sebastian Joseph Day back. Austin Johnson's going to come back from injury. You're going to have Tito Ogbenigba, who is your uh, draft pick selection this year. And you're going to have uh, Fahoko in there, who was finally gotten his start- starting opportunity. But I think you need to invest in that once more, given the fact that your rush defense was just absolutely so porous this year. Krista Guzman, this one hurts a lot. We got West Kine. We could have the best driver and fastest car, but we don't have the pit crew to win. That's a pretty good analogy. Uh, Chris chimes in. It's our offensive line. We can't run, can't block for the run game. Super A Mac rap. If you fire everyone, what coach would actually want to come knowing Staley is on the hot seat? Uh, East lost, East lost charger. Staley needs more experience, especially with game time adjustments. Uh, <laughs> lots here. Um, Maybe, Jake, I think we should probably get into, I think, probably the elephant in the room here. <clears throat> Eternity asks, what's next? Not Lombardi, that's for sure. Uh, Jake, Joe Lombardi can't be on this team next year. Agreed? 100%. I, I cannot imagine a world in which the front office players can look themselves in the mirror and see what has transpired this season and say that he is our future. And he makes Justin Herbert better. No. And he makes his offense better. And he no. is creative. And he is efficient. And he sustains drives. And his offense scores points. There is no. no world where you have arguably a top five quarterback who is number two in passing yards. Cool. But you can't score 20. That makes no sense. No. That the... scheme. That is coaching yeah. all day long. So... I agree. Lombardi should not be out on this team next year. No, and and truthfully, this is where I think it's going to go. Ultimately, I think Brandon Staley will be retained. Mm. Um, I, I'm I'm saying what the organization technically will do, given the history that we know of the leniency quote-unquote, that they give to their head coaches. You see how long they stuck with Norv Turner, Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn. And I think that there is a genuine connection between Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley that that they have put up. I will say this, as far as priorities in the draft and what they have done to ultimately help protect Justin Herbert, again, first couple rounds are pretty damn good. It's once once we hit the dreaded round three that everything starts going off the rails. So in terms of that relationship, and especially what Brandon Staley has built chemistry with the team, I think that that is strong. Now, doesn't mean that he's not going to be on a short leash moving forward if that's the case, but 100% Joe Lombardi should not be the offensive coordinator of this team next year. So what do you possibly look at? Uh, you can look internally of people that are already on this staff, i.e. a Shane Day, who's currently the quarterback's coach. You could possibly promote him to offensive coordinator, given his uh, familiarity with Justin Herbert. People talking about in the comments just a second ago, as far as they need Staley needs experienced head coaches with game time adjustments and a good offensive scheme. Well, here's a couple. How about Frank Reich? who I don't believe deserved to be fired from the from his Indianapolis coach job in the first place. And obviously has a history with the Chargers. 
spent some good time of his career on the Philadelphia Eagles as their OC. And I think if you brought him back and given what he has proven that he can do with an offensive unit, I think that would be a nice veteran presence that Staley could use. Another one would be Pep Hamilton. Um, we know his, one. we know his familiarity with Justin Herbert going back to 2020 when he was the quarterback's coach of this team. I would not be, um, I would not hate that one at all. Uh, other ones that possibly Staley would have a connection with because we know when he builds his coaching staff that he looks for a lot of different connections. So let's go back to the Rams for, for just a second. Zach Robinson, who's currently their quarterback passing game coordinator. He coached with Staley uh, as when they were on the team together in 2020. And his system runs more of a traditional West Coast style offense that I think that this team needs to bring itself back to, especially with Justin Herbert. So a couple names nothing not 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 saying any type of in, uh, outside in, or inside information or anything like that it's just trying to connect the tea leaves as far as familiarity or veteran type coaches as far as the uh, the offensive coordinator goes um and i have a list of defensive coordinators as well but we can get into that later <laughs> uh chris b says just get an offensive coordinator that can develop justin herbert go get brian johnson from the eagles he's from the Sirianni and steichen offense that justin thrived under in his rookie year great minds think alike or bring in Frank Reich. I know there is some connection to the, there's been talks of the Georgia head coach as well. Uh, University of Georgia Bulldogs coach coming over as an offensive coordinator. Maybe take the leap. I'm not sure. Um, so, Jake, okay, we talked about the, we talked about the Joe Lombardi stuff. Um, everyone else, not everyone, but there's a large portion who talk about fire Brandon Staley, hire Sean Payton. I think we need to kind of just grab on this conversation for a bit and get real for a second. Um, you know, what, Jake, I'll let you start this one off. I would say uh, to anybody who wants Sean Payton, I understand your reasons. And I'm not saying that it's wrong for you to think like that whatsoever. I understand why, given your feelings towards Staley as it stands right now. But you do have to look at it from an organizational standpoint. I don't think I truly don't think that money would be the biggest hurdle for them if that was the only hurdle for them to get over with Sean Payton. Uh, draft pick compensation because his rights are still technically owned by the Saints right now, and they will want compensation to get his rights pulled away from. I think him. they just I think they just came out saying that they wanted like some I don't know mid to. Oh, first round pick. It, it will be more than just one pick that they that they will covet. And personally, I think that will take to get him. And the 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 third one that I think is actually the most pertinent aspect of this. And if by the way, if you guys have looked at Jim Trotter's th- uh, tweet thread in the last twenty four hours, friend of the show, friend it's of the show. it's many bullet points on why this won't happen. But I think the one that was the the most striking was the the need for control that Sean Payton will command. And traditionally the chargers are not a team that's going to give up that much control. Unfortunately. Now I will say this, if the chargers were to throw a curveball, and Tom Telesco was let go, <laughs> then you could really start pricking up your ears to the idea of Sean Payton. Me personally, I think that Tom Telesco and uh, Brandon Staley are linked, which is why I don't expect Tom Telesco to be let go. But if that was the case... We, uh, and just to, just to clarify, they're linked in terms of if 
Telesco goes, so does Staley. If Staley goes, so does Telesco. Is that what you mean? Well, I, regardless whether or not they, they were let go at the same time, but if the first move to be done was Telesco goes before we hear anything about Staley, yes. you could start to connect tea leaves to Sean Payton in that circumstance. If Telesco goes, a lot of people are going. Yes. Um, so let's kind of peel this one back a little bit. Um, so first off, should Brandon Staley get fired? A lot of people are upset, and rightly so. There were mistakes that had been, unfortunately, seen throughout the year. Uh, there are some decisions that were, let's just call questionable or wrong. There's kind of the roster management discussion that people have with, like, who's starting over who. Why do we only have four receivers? Why do we have three quarterbacks? Why Talk is Maloka, all, you know, all that stuff. There's the uh, health management, if you will, both messaging of when players are going to get healthy. That was confusing. There was the roster management in terms of like the week 18 fiasco and Mike Williams getting hurt and maybe Joey Bosa getting hurt and that stuff. Uh, there's the lack of in-game adjustments at halftime. There's lots of things. And I, I think what, what I kind of disseminated it down to Jake is I kind of tried my best to kind of categorize like roles, responsibilities and where these issues are stemming from. And then couple that with like the pros and cons of Brandon Staley and what he's brought or has taken from this team. In my opinion, Brandon Staley has brought more good than bad to this organization. In my opinion, Brandon Staley has gotten this team in a better place than it was when he got here. In my opinion, he has kept Justin Herbert elite. He has fixed the special teams, which I don't think we ever could have imagined that ever happening. We've seen glimpses of now this defense looking like the defense we all thought it would. There are parts of the defense that are not good. He has brought aggression while Sometimes it is seen as reckless. The Chargers were never known as aggressive, and fan base was calling for it. He brings their relationship. He brings the smarts. He might not know sometimes what's good for him at times, but he brings that to him. In terms of like clock management and stuff, you guys forget what bad coaching looked like in the previous regime with that management. He's brought he's brought a certain level of, um, in my eyes, accountability and competitiveness that I think the the team was lacking in the past. Now, what I do think hinders him is he is so competitive and he is so driven and he has such conviction and belief in himself and his players and his coaches that sometimes it gets a little over his skis and he goes too far. He believes in Joe Lombardi to fix it too much. He believes in his backups to play as well as his starters too much. He believes that the best case scenario for injuries will happen. He believes that they can overcome all of the adversity and they can find a way. That's all good, but sometimes you have to blur the lines a bit and connect it between reality and belief. And you have to have groups around you that 
can help you steer everything in the right direction when you might go a little bit too far on the belief or maybe a little too far on aggression or you need to step your foot in and say, no, we're not doing this anymore. We are up 27-7. We've lost 10 points now. No, we're not doing this anymore. That, I think, is what we need to see from this team. So when we talk about play calling, when we talk about adjustments on the offensive side, we talk about roster stuff, that seems like a, at least on the offensive side, that seems like a Joe Lombardi stuff. The the jet sweeps, the staleness, the the running on first and second down, the all the check down, like all these things. In my eyes, that is a Joe Lombardi 101 clinic of what not to do. Now, you can give Brandon Staley his flack for not stepping in, and he deserves some of the blame for that. But in my eyes, Brandon Staley is a good kind of C-level head coach. Vision, foundation. I think he's a good defensive coach. Complicated, but he's gotten the team to where it needs to be. You saw at the end of the year, you saw glimpses of it. You saw the highs of how good this defense can look. He needs help on offense. I don't think, I think he has good intentions on offense, but he needs someone that can be as innovative and as uh, creative as he is and as his mind is on defense, but on offense. And from what we've seen, in my opinion, Joe Lombardi's offensive scheme and Brandon Staley's scheme persona could not be more opposite. Could not be more opposite. So I think this team can roll. Staley at the helm, new offensive coordinator, a good one. And whether it's a new defensive coordinator or keep a defensive coordinator or maybe roll responsibilities shift a bit, that's the way I see it. I know I went long. Uh, and folks may not agree, and that's okay. Uh, Jake, given all the things that you have seen in the media, given all of the things that you've personally <laughs> felt in the uh, profane, profound and profane, profane language that I have gotten from you over the last week or so, um, two-part question. Will the... If you, if you were Tom Telesco, would you fire Brandon Staley? And then the second part, what do you think the team will do? Well, I think I kind of already answered the second part. I, I think you that did. You're right. Know, you did. Knowing the team, Staley will remain. Now, if I was the GM, I would definitely put that option on the table for Brandon Staley to be let go because. There's no way you can justify a 27-point choke job. Let's call it what it is. It's hard to defend playing your starters in a meaningless game in Week 18. And for context of this, and this is where I went into the deeper part of the conversations with you, Dan, because this is this is really the... Brandon Staley has had a tough two weeks that he has had to deal with with answering questions. Real quick, right shout out to Andrew, by the way. Shout out for Andrew for the donation. We'll get to your question here as soon as Jake is done with his. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Brandon Staley's had a lot of questions to ask over the last two weeks, and rightfully so. And going back to the week 18 just for a minute, it's... It's one thing if Mike Williams was the first player injured and it was a freak accident type of thing. You know, the same questions would still probably be getting asked. But it was the fact that 
two players went down before Mike Williams did. Kenneth Murray and Joey Bosa went out of the game. And even after Mike Williams went down, you still kept your players in through the third quarter before you began pulling starters. Now, Dan, on the flip side of things, that same week, we saw Tom Brady get pulled. He wasn't happy about it, but it was a coach's decision. Whatever. You look at Brian Dable with the New York Giants. He held out his quarterback, his running back, and a handful of other players in that final game of the season. That didn't mean anything. <laughs> they went off. <laughs> I, and this is where I wanted to get to that point, because some people believe the whole aspects of, because you and I were of the same opinion to say, okay, week 18, you play your starters a couple series, then get them out of there. When you have to ask the question, because that whole lore, I guess, of like, do you want your players going in cold in the playoffs and them taking that week off? Well, you know whose responsibility it is to get them ready for that next game if they are if they are are sitting in a meaningless game of the season? It's the coach's responsibility. So if you have to ask that question, then there's questions about the coaching, which in this case for Brandon Staley, it absolutely was. Because Brian Dable brought his players to play regardless of the fact that they were sitting in week 18. The shitty part, Jake, is so did Brandon Staley for two quarters. The asterisk there at the end. But that's a Super Bowl winning team the first half. At least Super Bowl winning defense. It's... I, I can't explain it. And these are all the reasons of what I would need to know as a GM to say, I need to know why you did this. I need to know why this happened and whether or not it's going to be an answer or a good one that's even remotely justified. I still need to hear it. <laughs> I didn't agree with his whole answer that he gave as far as saying the size of the roster and we can only play so many players. I thought that was an irresponsible, lackluster way to kind of go over what took place. So given these last two weeks, if I were the GM, I would definitely raise the question. Now, organizationally, Staley will stay, but there has to be some caveats. One, you know as an organization, as Dan pointed out, that Joe Lombardi should not be part of this organization moving forward. I think everyone, everyone, like unanimously believes this. Yes. Check, move on. (laughs) Defensively, you have to look at the aspect of your lack of capability of stopping the run. And yes, the Chargers had plenty of injuries throughout this... uh, this regular season, a lot on the interior defensive line alone. But still, that is something that you can't excuse. When the Chargers had an historically bad special teams two years ago, they made that change. So when you have something that has hampered your team like this and giving up that many points in a single half, I don't care what excuse that you have for it, but you need to move on. Two contributors here. Let's talk about these questions. Again, if you guys have questions you want to really prioritize, you can put the donations here and we'll get them up. So let's go back back to back here. Andrew Dang, $5 donation. Thank you so much. This defense is horrendous, too inconsistent. No, 31 points given up. Stanley can't adjust. Joe cannot spark the offense the second half. So lots here. Uh, Andrew, again, thank you. Uh, Marvin James, we see you. You're next. Thank you as well. Uh, Defense is horrendous, too inconsistent. Those are two different things. Horrendous, no. Inconsistent, absolutely. 
inconsistent. Absolutely. You cannot call a defense slash special teams. It has five turnovers and holds the offense of opponents to two for 10 on third down. Horrendous. You just can't. Well, the In, one thing inconsistent. That the, yes, absolutely. The one thing that the Chargers were consistent at this year was being inconsistent. Yes, I know. I get it. Um, now, specifically for that week eight, week 19 game. As much as I want to flame the defense that second half, which it was not good. It, it wasn't good. In my eyes, you take the off, you take the first half, second half, first half defense, elite, elite, high, 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 A plus. Second half defense, D. And maybe that's generous. D. So on the average, what? Average, above average, you pick it. Offense, to score 30 points in an entire game, three points in the second half, 27 in the first half, when you have five turnovers. Your defense gives you five more possessions, some of which are starting in the red zone. And you can't get more than 30 points. That is awful, like historically bad. So while the defense wasn't great in the second half, the offense did this team no favors. And there's blame to go around. I'm just being honest. The adjustments is an issue. And I'm not sure if that is just an offensive, a defensive thing, or if that's a head coaching thing. I would love to know from it's Staley both. Both. who manages those. It's it probably, it probably should be. It probably should be both. Um, but it's going too far to say this defense is horrendous when you saw what this defense looked like the last month of the season. I take away, I take away the Broncos game. No one cared about that game. Like the, you, you knew the heart wasn't it. And you go to this last game. The first half was incredible. I, I think more of the, maybe the essence of the question here, Dan, is how many of you, and I would assume that I would, for people that have been watching this team for such a long time, when the Jaguars got the touchdown just before halftime, how many of you just sat back and just kind of went, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Literally, Jake and I, I, I called Jake. We went out 27-0. And I was excited. And I, and I said, Jake, why do they always do this? And, and Jake said, well, what, what do you mean? I was like, you know what's going to happen, Jake. This isn't going to continue this way. Well, I, I mean, listen, it's inevitable. <laughs> granted, by the time that you called me at halftime, again, Woodford Reserve was being a very good friend to me. So, <laughs> you know, I was trying to just keep somewhat of a, a positive and inebriated mind. But I, I think, again, back to this question, it's not so much from the standpoint of the players being horrendous. It is the strange inconsistencies and in going away from what's working as far as the scheme goes. Like literally, as you mentioned, Dan, elite in the first half. The press man coverage that they were playing, Asante Samuel Jr. gets a hat trick. You waste that. Unreal. And then you basically go to protecting the lead in the second half, playing much more soft coverage, which Trevor Lawrence was just able to carve you up for two quarters straight. So it's not so much the players are horrendous. Dan, it is the lack of adjustments and inconsistencies that this coaching staff has continued to show throughout the regular season as it relates to how you scheme for a football, football game and how you win. Whether it's weekly game preparation or in-game adjustments, 
Brandon Staley this year had too many faults of that. And whether we're talking offensively or defensively, it doesn't matter. There was too many faults that fall on his shoulders in, in that circumstance. Snipe says, Staley showed lack of experience in the second half. He doesn't adjust accordingly. Now, I would say one more year for Staley with a new defense and offensive coordinator. Uh, Marvin James, thank you so much for the shout out. Uh, he gave a $5 donation. Jake, how has Staley enhanced Herbert's ability to become an elite quarterback? Now, again, we're talking about the quarterback who has the most touchdowns in NFL history in his first three seasons. We're talking about a quarterback who was just the second most passing yards in the NFL. In this wet mop vanilla offense, which I think is a little impressive. <laughs> uh, but Jake, how has Staley enhanced Herbert's ability to become an elite quarterback? Well, I mean, I think if we're just talking about the mentality, I think that he has definitely helped Justin Herbert in that circumstance, especially when you see if there was one good thing that you could pull out of this year as far as a theme goes, the Chargers, despite what they finished at 10 and 7, were extremely resilient given how they went forward with the number of injuries that they had and other guys having to step up. And in terms of how they were able to win games necessarily when Justin Herbert wasn't even playing his best football, I think Brandon Staley has had a great mentality and impact for Justin Herbert as a player goes. Now, now, as far as putting him in the best position to win, that is a completely different conversation. How, when you have arguably your best wide receiver go down in the second, or basically in what, quarter two of week one, and Mike Williams is out in spurts throughout the regular season, and you had plenty of times to where you could have gone to subplant that after Jaleb Guyton went down in week three, mm-hmm. and you continue to activate only four wide receivers on game day. I don't see how that's helping your quarterback. I don't see how that's putting him in the best position to win. How you don't go out and do something to possibly subplant an offensive line when you have an injury go down. Now, again, we're talking possibly before that in the draft, things that were unforeseen, told what happened, obviously bad luck. Trey Pipkins was in and out throughout the season. Corey Lindsley went down at certain spurts. And obviously, uh, with Rashawn Slater going down, Jamari Sawyer stepped up admirably. I mean, nobody's going to be Rashawn Slater being able in th- to step up in that situation for a six-round rookie. But what he was able to do, he was still able to perform admirably. And then this whole message that you have been given since training camp as far as a balanced offense and a balanced attack and wanting to get the running game going, that's not helping Justin Herbert. So which is why I say moving into this next season, whether it's related to draft picks or free agency signing or whatever it is, there's two questions that you need to ask yourself. Is what the Chargers are doing as it relates to player personnel either helping Justin Herbert or helping defeat Patrick Mahomes? And that's all the two questions that you really need to ask yourself. And if they don't apply, then raise a question about it. Jake, there's a a funny $5 donation from, well, technically $4.99 from Kapil. I think this was everyone. My sister texted me, and is this even a game? At halftime, I proceeded to ghost her for the rest of the game. I already knew. We knew. We knew. In our in our gut, we knew. And Dan, why did we know? Because we've seen these things pop up all throughout the regular season. Yep. Says James. Ernest agrees. I did too. Uh, Chris, me, everyone. 
the real young facts. <laughs> uh, Jake, someone's asking what's wrong with me in my, I'm assuming this is in my Staley uh, discussion point. Um, I'm trying to look at this factually. I'm trying to look at this objectively with all of what we know right now. Uh, you can disagree with me. That's okay. That's why we're here. Um, let's get to some of these comments here, Jake. Someone asked, why haven't we fired Joe Lombardi yet? BT says fire Joe Lombardi. Three periods. I, I, was, I, was, at the, I was at the gym at 7 a.m. this morning, and I must have seen three tweets that had come, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes before I even looked at it. And people were saying, it's, it's such and such in the morning. Why isn't Joe Lombardi off this team yet? <laughs> so listen. Just it's it's there's no way that it can proceed in 2023. Just know that. I would assume that any coaching changes that are going to happen with this team are going to come down this week. So I understand we're emotional. I understand we're upset. Um, but be patient. Try not to worry. Dane Peterson, I swear this is just Jake Hefner. First video I've loaded since the loss. I've never been this bummed. I've been mad, sad, but this is just a different feeling. Not once did I feel confident. My family thinks I'm negative. No, a realist. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Manuel. Manuel says, still can't get over this loss. Uh, let's see. Athir says, I have noticed a lot of people giving my coach a lot of craps. Let's say they clean house and go get Peyton and they go 10-7 to miss the playoffs. Are they going to go do that? Are they going to then go do that to Sean Payton? It's a lot of what ifs. A lot of what ifs. Um, something I did want to discuss in the let's say they do decide to fire him and why I think they are probably not going to. When you have a young quarterback that is this good, who has had a history of this lack of consistency in his coaching staff for the better part of his entire college and pro career, firing Staley now just starts that train, that clock again. And there has been Lots of reports of how close Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert are and how much they are together in mentality, in mindset, in where this team is going. Derwin James is in lockstep with them. Uh, I think you heard Drew Tranquil talk about it. Lots of folks have kind of come to the defense of Brandon Staley. The team believes in Staley, and they're not just saying, oh, that's not my job to talk about it. Like They're actually going out on a limb and defending him and what he, he's building. I don't think going to another new scheme, another new coaching staff, all again, is good for Justin Herbert. Could he overcome it? Sure. Has he done it in the past? Yes. I just don't know if that's best for him. I, I, I Again, personally, I don't. Toxic kids, Jake. Lombardi should be fired. Defense according should be fired. But the Spanos care too much about the first round streak to get Sean. I, I agree with you, Jake. I think it's less about the first round pick. I think it's more about relinquishing control. 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 That is the biggest hurdle to overcome. And if we know things about the Spanoses, it's, it's basically run the same way as Jerry Jones runs the Cowboys. He's not going to have anybody that's going to want or command control in his teams. That's why they hire, so what do you call it? Yes, man. I believe that's why Norv Turner was the next coach following Marty Schottenheimer, given the diverse personalities that they were. And to Norv Turner's lucky credit, he inherited a great team that was able to make a couple playoff runs at that point in time. But 
Mike McCoy followed that. You can follow the tea leaves here as far as how they operate as an organization. It's control is the biggest factor that I don't think that they will relinquish to Sean Payton. And Sean Payton will command it. BT says, worst worst offensive scheme in the league, and it's holding Herbert's Hall of Fame caliber talent back. No argument. No. No. Um, I'm not going to shy away from it. Base or bass mover, not sure. Let's go, Jag. Saw some Duval in here, which I still find so stupid. I don't know what the Duval thing is. Um, but hey, props to you guys. Good luck next round. Come back to me after that Kansas City game. But you guys had a hell of a hey, run. Hey, let's go, let's go Jags. Yeah, I'm, let's go, go Jags. I'm rooting for him. Seriously. Doug, Doug Peterson, like, props. You showed what a great coach can do for an organization in just one year. Going from Urban Meyer to that, like... Let's just say that it was an example of how Brandon Staley should have coached. Let's say that. Yep. Kevin Kernick says, imagine this team. Let's go a little rapid style here for a second, Jake. Let's kind of try to keep up. Imagine this team without Fahoko, who we barely were able to keep out of camp. Insanity. Jake and I, we talked about this on our Spaces thing last night. What it took for Fahoko to finally get a spot on this active roster is asinine. Now, we've heard that Brandon Stanley doesn't want to meddle or get in, step on feet of his coordinators. I don't know whose responsibility it is for like roster moves on each side of the ball. But that was insane. For as happy as we were about the, you know, Jerry Tillery finally moving on, that might be worse. This is this is probably one of the best examples of the questions that come up when we're talking about personnel and building out this roster. You go back to last year and Brandon Fajoko, statistically, statistically, was one of your best run defenders. And then you watch him in training camp and he's picking up right where he left off and he's even adding some more pass rush juice to his game. And he he makes the final cut. He makes the official roster. And then not a short time later, he's basically kicked back to the practice squad for an extended period of time. And it took losing four interior defensive linemen, three to injury, and one by getting cut over a two-week span in order to get Fahoko back and elevated and part of this team. <laughs> Consider you yourself lucky that he was not picked up by anybody else during that time frame. Because he was at least able to save whatever semblance of the interior defensive line that was left for the remainder of the season and should not even be in question as to being on the roster bubble next year. That is one that I will never, ever be able to wrap my head around. Yes, uh, Jake, we don't get into politics on this show. It is toxic to even start, but this one's funny. Call Joe Lombardi Sleepy Joe because the offense was boring in the second half. But then, I mean, <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> I don't think anybody would argue it. I'm just not wrong. Honest. I'm not going to be, I'll be honest. Uh, BT, shout out, 499 donation. Thank you so much. Comments, Lombardi's offense has been horrible all season, and it was only a matter of time before it came back to bite us. Facts. Facts. You hope to see improvements. You saw glimpses of it for a few weeks towards the end of the season. But we had Austin Eckler on the show, 
And I had joked with him, like, are we going to see a completely new offense come playoff time? The guy's just going to flip a switch. And in short, paraphrasing, he's like, no, like, we are who we are. And that's who they are. Again, I, you know, if I'm going to look at any semblance of what I liked about the offense going into the playoffs, you look at the Rams game and even in a loss, you look at how the offense was operating in the Broncos game. If it wasn't for three unfortunate turnovers, i.e. the uh, Austin Eckler fumble, the DeAndre Carter fumble, and the incompletion to Gerald Everett, which, which would have kept that drive uh, alive and going, Herbert was having a fantastic game and probably could have put more points up on the board. But I liked what I saw from the offense. Completely different from what you saw the two weeks prior in the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans game. So I needed to see some semblance of this offense waking back up to the, to gear off for a playoff run. But then it just decided to do the same old thing that we've been worried about all regular season. Toxic kids. I haven't watched sports center since the loss. I watch it. And the Jags game is getting reviewed. Not gonna lie, Jake. I haven't watched sports center either. It was a little tough for me to watch some of the football games the rest of the weekend. I did watch some, but I didn't watch. I, I don't think I've watched a single sports commentary on the Chargers loss. Norm, normally, I don't. And especially after a loss like that, I can imagine why nobody would want to hear them talk about why the Chargers are not advancing and how they blew that 27-point lead. But I've listened to it. And honestly... They're not wrong in some of the stuff that they've been saying. It's questions about his future. It brings up questions about what he's done uh, from a coaching standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, all season. And they're all valid points. And everything should fully be on the table right now. Top boy milk. Mike. Top boy Mike. I was going to say top boy milk. Uh, Dan, look around. We effing only beat one team with a 500 record. Everything must change. If not, trade Herbert. Don't do this to him. Okay, pump the brakes. I get we're frustrated. I get we're upset. I get that they only beat one team with a 500 record. But let's not forget what the team had to overcome to get 10 wins. Dramatic pause here for how much this team had to overcome. Some of it, personal shots, hitting themselves in the own foot, like, you know, stubbing their own toes. But how many people were not suited up? And how many guys that we saw step up? this season, to win 10 games. You don't win 10 games by mistake. Period. End of story. You're seeing roster improvements and player development for guys like Fahoga, for guys like Trey Pipkins, for guys like Foster Sorrell, for guys like Jamari Sawyer, for guys like Kenneth Murray, Michael Davis, uh, Alohi Gilman, Jazeer Taylor, Dean Leonard. So many of these guys are improving. Did we beat great teams this year? Honestly, the Miami game, they didn't look great after that. But going into that game, that was a hot team. They just barely lost to the Bills the week prior. So as much as we want to say, you know, they can only control so much. that You play who's in front of you. And they won 10 of them. Period. Uh, a random one, Jake. I heard this name in a minute. JC Jackson better show up next year. What are your... Uh, feelings on J.C. Jackson, what do you expect? Like, What should we expect? I, I, I legit don't know. Inter- interesting timing because I think Daniel Popper tweeted this out from J.C. Jackson's Instagram page as far as the progress that he's making. Oh, um, I didn't see this. 
I, you know, however you want to take this as far as his timeline goes, I don't know. He's now on the stationary bike, so he's finally working out. I'm not sure how long that's been going on for, but Daniel Popper had just tweeted that out coincidentally this morning as it relates to JC Jackson. Dan, I don't know. Um, that's a tough injury to come back from. And the time frame for him to be back, you know, he may not even be ready for the start of the regular season next year. Now, thankfully for you, as it stands right now, is you have an insurance policy and Michael Davis, who <laughs> even in technically not even being a starter for all of this regular season, probably put forth his best effort oh, and no, performance no that, since he has been on this team. So you still have him to go through this. But I would say this, when JC Jackson comes back, do not wait three weeks to start implementing more man coverage of what you brought him on this team for. Don't try to change him into a corner that he is not. Allow him, or as I've said, for what I would expect Staley and Lombardi to do for Herbert, put him, i.e. JC Jackson, put him in the best situation to win. DJ Holiday, 9975. So what? I love how you try to justify keeping a coach that has failed two years in a row. If I suck at my job, I lose it. So should all of them. Okay, let's get down to brass tacks here. They had seven wins before Brandon Staley got here. They had nine wins the year after, 10 wins the year after, playoff appearance in the second year. They have gotten guys like JC Jackson. They've gotten guys like Kyle Van Noy. They traded for Khalil Mack. They have brought in Bryce Callahan. They have gotten their offensive line fixed. They brought in Sebastian Joseph Day. They have a scheme now that actually works on defense. They have a quarterback that hasn't regressed. There's now elite top five. So I don't know what your definition of failure is, but for all of the negativity and all the things that he has done wrong, I'm sorry, but he has done well in some areas too. If you cannot accept that, you're not living in reality. Yeah, I think the bare minimum, because all of us expected that the bare minimum for the Chargers on what they had to do this year was make the playoffs. Yes. Now, and again, they did it, but they, look how they did it. And look I, who they didn't have to do it. I get it. But now when you see, obviously, unfortunately, what transpired, it's almost like passing a class with a C-. It's like, you did just enough. You did, not, you did just enough to save yourself. So now what are you going to do moving forward? And honestly, for folks who have not seen it, I put like a 10-step plan of what I would like to see from Brandon Staley if he is brought back, which I would like to see him brought back under these circumstances. I don't want to read them off because we don't have time for this, but I have things that I would like to see him do. I want him to take ownership. I want him to be transparent of what went wrong. I want him to have this offense and defense improved. I want him to show us what roles responsibilities look like. I want him to have a top five scoring offense next year. No question they must go into the divisional round lots of things i have a whole thing on twitter go ahead check it out and at dan w sports uh hh4 says tom telesco needs to be held accountable for charging lots of people need to be held accountable for charging uh jake let's go rapid fire here for a second let's go as many quick answers as we can uh do you think tom telesco pastelito asks deserves to keep his job after 11 seasons and three playoff appearances and regularly beating teams with poor depth and no speedy wide receiver. Jake, yes or no? It's, 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 it's weird, Dan. It's not a, it's not quite that black and white to me because there's, there's things that Tom Telesco has done in the top parts of the draft, especially over the last couple of years that I thought have been very, very good. But for the love of God, he needs to learn how to draft past round three 
and you just use this year's draft as a microchasm. Yes, you get Zion Johnson, your right guard of the future. You traded away your second round pick for Khalil Mack. And then you get to the dreaded round three that we all collectively hold our breath for. And it's JT Woods. Now, is JT Woods, we didn't get the chance to see much of JT Woods, but he didn't contribute to this team. Nor did Isaiah Spiller, who was a fourth round pick. Then you finally get into the fifth and the sixth round pick where you find Tito Ogbenigba, you find Jasir Taylor, you obviously find Jamari Sawyer, who came in great as an insurance policy when Rashawn Slater went down. But you look, just take for example, I'll give you two examples. Number one, the Kansas City Chiefs are one of the best drafting teams past rounds one and two in this league right up there with the Baltimore Ravens. Look at what the Seattle Seahawks did in this draft alone. Picks one through, I think, five all ended up being contributors to their team. That is what Tom Telesco needs to find. As I said, two questions that need to be asked as it relates to any draft picks that are taken. Is this helping Justin Herbert (laughs) or is it helping defeat Patrick Mahomes? And I understand this essentially 10 years of that Tom Telesco has been here, lack of playoff appearances to show for it, what little there are, and questionable draft picks and not building at, up the necessary depth. I get it, and it's all warranted. <sighs> that being said, I just still think because of what I know from the organization, not technically what I do, what I would do, because I might go in a different direction. But what the organization will do, I think that Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley's fates as of right now are linked. You may see this year, depending on what happens, this may be the last year in 2023 of Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley, depending on what the outcome is. You know what we're not going to do, Jake? Sniper says, Herbert is gutless, zero dog in him. S underscore Sniper is flat out wrong and either just doesn't like great quarterback play or is a Raiders fan. Or I guess option three would be, he doesn't watch any chargers football. So we're not doing that. Uh, Base mover. He's gotten some support from chargers fans. He would rather see Jacksonville win than the chiefs. Uh, Thank you. Chargers fans say, Hey, we're all in this together. Um, Let's go rapid fire real quick here. Jake, the real young AP. He did great for us. Talking about T Billy being here. People talk about red flags. Drafting a safety that can't tackle in the third round is complete incompetence. Again, we were told that JT Woods is a project. We'll see how it actually goes. Who knows? Uh, Stephen G says, change the coordinators, Keith Staley. He will grow into the job. Something on that part, Jake. Brandon Staley is now going into his third year as a head coach. To expect him to be as good as coaches like Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, Andy Reid, Hell, Doug Peterson, Super Bowl winning coach. Is he as good as them right now? All around? No. Probably not. Probably not. So how, so how do you so how do you supplant that, Dan, when you don't have a coaching tenure like that? You put guys that are more experienced you. around you. Around yes. you. Now I I'll, I'll dig into this real quick, Dan, because I know we talked about the potential offensive coordinators that could ultimately end up replacing Joe Lombardi earlier in this show. Let's flip it over to the defense for just one second. I know one of the biggest names that we have talked about on this show as far as possibly coming on board to this unit is Vic Fangio. I think that'd be a fantastic hire given the relationship that him and Brandon Staley would have. I know we've heard rumblings that Sean Payton wants Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator wherever he goes. If that ended up being Denver, 
I don't know if Vic Vangio would want to go back to the old team that he ultimately got fired from, but that's a different story for a different day. Internally, could you promote Jay Rogers promoted uh, from the interior defensive line to DC coordinator? I could see that if you're just talking about staying in-house and some familiarity. Um, Other ones that maybe he has some connections with, Dan? How about Jonathan Cooley, who's the defensive backs coach for the Los Angeles Rams? He coached with Staley on the Rams in 2020, and this name, this college should ring a bell. John Carroll University, he played and eventually ended up coaching for John Carroll University. And what we've learned from Brandon Staley and his staff, he likes guys that that came out of that university. Um, Other names that are outside of the organization... Gerard Mayo, the linebackers coach for the New England Patriots. I think that he's done a fantastic job with that defense, along with Brian Flores. You have that experience with him as a former head coach and what he's done for that uh, linebackers um, uh, position there and the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And another one, Dan, Eric Washington of the Buffalo Bills, senior defensive uh, assistant, defensive line coach, has a great track record. And as far as reputation goes of developing young players for what he's done there over the last couple of years. Lots of names there. Uh, Dexter, I'm still not over the lost hangover. Um, we are kind of wrapping up here, guys, gals. For those who are first time watchers, listeners, uh, do us a favor. Take 10 seconds right now. I mean, if you're listening, watching, just take 10 seconds. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Helps out a ton. Uh, tells us that we're doing something right. Or wrong, if you want to hit his thumbs down, whatever. We'll take honesty. Um, we appreciate the turnout here. There's a ton of people here, Jake. This is wild. Uh, I cannot keep up with the comments, so I'm going to try to just go like crazy fast. Dexter says didn't watch any of the plays. Dane Peterson says that even the analysts are at a loss. Um, <laughs> and HB says need a no-nonsense coach to instill the seriousness of the game, not a raw, raw head coach whose decisions that are not excusable. Chargers fired a winning 14-2 coach. This firing would be justified. Now, I push back a little bit on the no-nonsense coach because I don't think Staley is a nonsense coach. He is not. He's also not really a raw, raw coach either. He has that in him, but like he's a he's a intellectual dude. So I you don't I don't I think it's unfair to say that he doesn't bring seriousness to the game. I think that's too far. But yes, they have fired a 14 and 2 coach, which I think was a mistake. So who knows? Anything could be anything's possible. Uh HH4 says Staley's time has come to a close. I respectfully disagree. Jake, do you agree? I mean, I, I wouldn't I, I understand why this is here, Dan. Because as you just mentioned, how do you justify the last two weeks for Brandon Staley? It's 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 hard. It's a bad look. It's hard to justify that. And as someone has just said, you fired Marty Schottenheimer when he went 14-2 and two and led you to the number one seed being in the playoffs. It's hard to justify that. So I, like I said, if I was the GM, I would be raising eyebrows and raising questions and saying, what the hell? And I would seriously give it consideration. But what I know from the organization, and, what, and, and I'm not saying like from an insider, but just what you've seen from history tells me that there will have to be changes on the staff as it relates to this next season. Brandon Staley won't be one of them. Zach Benson asks, how does anybody watch Dable or McDaniel and think Staley is the answer? See, this is the okay, question. This, this is the, the crux of it in my eyes. Brandon Staley could bring on an offensive-minded guy, i.e. a Mike McDaniel, who he wanted to bring in initially, and could have an offense looking just like this. 
I think they can have both. They can have Brandon Staley and an offensive coordinator, offensive guru who can make a quarterback with a third string, could make a third string quarterback in Miami put up 30 points against the against the, the Bills. That's where I'm going. I know the offense is a problem. The offense looks awful for how good Justin Herbert is. I think a good offensive coordinator can fix that. Uh, $5 donation from Bolted Ashaman. I'm terrible with pronunciation. I apologize if I butchered that. These owners will never pay for a good, experienced head coach. Will we ever have new owners? So two things here. I Again, I don't think it's the money that is keeping them from going out and getting Sean Payton. While they're not rich, rich, like Kroenke, they're not poor. They can afford to get a good head coach if it means if they wanted to. Again, we talked about it earlier in the show. It's a control thing. And right now, I don't think they're willing to relinquish control. Will we ever have new owners, Jake? I don't know. Not anytime soon. There, there's there's two words here in this. And, and I fully understand this person's question. I get it. Because we want to be transported back in time to 2006 when Marty Schottenheimer was his head coach. We knew what his reputation was. But good, experienced head coaches... How many of them actually become available? If you're good in experience, first of all, you're not going to have an opportunity to go anywhere else because the team's going to want to keep you. But recycled, experienced head coaches, not necessarily have to be good, are not always a slam dunk when they coach the second time around. So it's it's not always a guarantee that just because someone is experienced as a head coach is going to go somewhere else and become a winner. I agree. Todd, let's see, to Carnal, if Stanley remains his coach, I bet he will not play starters all game in a meaningless game ever again. I would agree. <laughs> Jason P says this team didn't know how to play with the lead. They have no idea. Again, they, they showed that plenty of times this year, Dan. Yep, Jake and I talked about it. We are more comfortable with them being down than we are them being up, which is kind of sad. It's weird. Uh, Bolt Maniac says, keep Staley, Pep for OC, Fangio, defensive coordinator, Staley is changing the culture, which I agree with. Staley is changing the culture. He changed the O-line and defense is turning a corner. Special teams has been the best we've had in a decade. Denise Steele says, fire the OC at least. Oh, that, that's, that's bare minimum. There will have to be more, but that is bare minimum as far as changes that are going to take place with this team. Has to. Eric says, if Staley wants, he's a Stanley, but I think he means Staley. If Staley wants success, fire Lombardi and get a real offensive coordinator and a real defense. I buy the first two. I sell the third one. Uh, HH4 asks, why was Adderley benched? Another second round to let's go bust. Uh, <sighs> we, we went into this at nauseum last night as it relates to Nasir yep. Adderley. We both agree that his time with this team um, has come to an end, and it is telling at times when you saw it throughout the season and obviously in this playoff game when Alohi Gilman is starting in his spot. Um, I'm I'm not sure why that did not end up coming to fruition with him. I was really excited about the Nasir Adderley pick when it took place because I wanted to see that free safety, strong safety combination between him as a ball hawk and what he did at Delaware and what Derwin James had already done up until that point as a strong safety. And unfortunately, we just never got that vision of what that secondary should have looked like. There has just been too many mental errors that Nasir Adderley has unfortunately made this year. Um, and I, I just don't see how he can return. Chargers Orange County. Why didn't Herbert run like Daniel Jones yesterday? Great effing question. 
Great question. I love to ask Staley. I love to ask Joe Lombardi. Why the yes. hell is he not doing this? Why? Why? Come on. You look at Josh Allen. Like, what the hell? Ah, that drives me insane. Uh, the original surfer Bob says Rex Ryan said Staley is terrible. Your thoughts? I think Rex Ryan is wrong and think he's just looking for clout. <sighs> Be honest. I mean, there, there are certain points that he has made as it relates to the offense and essentially, you know, let, let, let's, let's just unleash Herbert a little bit more that he has brought up. But as far as, you know, let's, let's admit this. Yes. Rex, Rex Ryan is an analyst for ESPN, the Sunday night countdown. And he is cut from a different cloth that essentially was a breed of 10 years ago. And this game has changed dramatically since he was a head coach. Um, so his philosophies on what he would do, I don't think that would fully line up to what a philosophy of a number of head coaches would do essentially at this point in the game. That would be like, remember what it was like for for John Gruden when he came back over over a decade of not coaching? He called the game. He analyzed the game, but when it came down to it, I don't think he was able to keep up because it's such a different league now. A couple interesting questions that have come up, topics. First off, I'm fine with taking shots. Top Boy, Mil- Top Boy Mike is personal. Dan is so stubborn. Look, I understand the frustrations. I get the arguments, and I get the lack of patience that people have for this team. They want to see a championship-caliber team. They want to see consistency, and they want to see winning. I get it. I'm with you. I would understand. I would see the perspective if the Chargers are going a different direction than Brandon Staley. I wouldn't agree with it, but I would understand it. So I, I'm open to other perspectives. I, I try to stay as open-minded as I can. I just try to also be honest. Uh, Jake, I can't... Um, this is an interesting one real quick. Eric says, we should get another wide receiver. Keen is getting old and Herbert could use another good receiver. So two-part there. Are you okay with getting rid of Keenan Allen? I think Keenan Allen plays for this team next year. I do because even still at his age, and yes, given the injury history, he is still a extremely valuable weapon to Justin Herbert. The connection between the two of them is just not something that you could expect to replace by having another person in there. But you definitely have to prioritize reloading that wide receiver core this year. Essentially, you have to start planning for it two years in advance because when these contracts are up, and going into next year, that'll be the second year of Mike Williams' new deal. You have to start planning for the future. So yes, you have to invest in another wide receiver. And even if that wide receiver ends up being your speed threat and not necessarily a number one to start, you have to target it now to develop him for the long-term future. Yep. Uh, Penguin, thank you for the $5 donation. Joe Reed and Hightower should have played or at least test them Bandy was terrible, and Roundtree had zero plays. Waste of a spot. Zero arguments. This is Absolutely one, zero arguments. This is another one of those personnel decisions, Dan. After Jalen Guyton went down, John Hightower was signed, I think, that following week. Joe Reed has been with this team. And the best part about it was, I think it was when it was evident that Joe Reed was actually on the scout team mimicking uh, Tyreek Hill. I heard that. I'm like... Going up against the Dolphins. And we're thinking to ourselves, well... If he's mimicking Tyree Kill, then what are we doing here? That why are why are we off. still having four wide receivers active on game day? And I totally understand the aspect from Larry Roundtree being activated from this game. You lose your number two wide receiver, and you ultimately end up losing DeAndre Carter, 
So you're essentially going out with three wide receivers for the remainder of that game between Allen Palmer and Bandy. And this is doing right by your quarterback. Good brother says that's coaching. I believe it's in reference to the wide receiver stuff. I agree. I agree. That's coaching. You should be able to have someone tell you like me to do this. Uh, Jake, we'll wrap it up. This has been, this went way longer. I think this is going twice as long as we were expecting, but we, we needed to go long. We, we needed had a to go shit long ton of people way. in here. Um, this is not easy for anyone who supports this team, who wants to see this team succeed. This has not been fun watching the demise last 36 hours or so. Uh, but it's, it's important to have perspective. And as the dust settles, I think you'll notice you'll be able to kind of start um, focusing on some of the things that went right. Obviously week 18, week 19 went awfully wrong and there's lots that need to happen because of it. But there were some good here as well. This isn't me just trying to fluff everyone up, make everybody feel good, but this hurts right now for all of us. Uh, Jake Aaron asked Dan. So do you feel embarrassed backing Staley? No, not even a little bit. I still back Staley. So thank you for the question. Um, Brad Grennan, Jake says, Celeste needs to be promoted to unemployment. <laughs> Al Delgado says, charges will come back stronger than ever. Uh, 2023 can be a pivotal season, depending on our off season. Alex says, need to draft better. And that KC nailed the draft last year. Yep. Look, we're all emotional, says Chris. I agree. Um, we're all in this together. Jake, anything else other than please leave us a like, comment, a subscribe on YouTube. Helps that a ton. Got a lot of fun things planned for you guys here. Anything else you want to say to the good friends other than we're sorry. We went out there on the field, but we're with you. We're sorry. <laughs> anything else, Jake? Well, the clock starts, Dan. Clock starts on what changes are going to be made. I expect, I guess, again, I would still expect and assume that those announcements would come back or come down this week so we can really start diving into who they're going to look to make the changes on this coaching staff. And again, Brandon Staley could still be fired. We don't know this. I'm just going off of assumption and what we believe the organization will do that he will stay. But from the rest of that coaching staff, definitely changes need to be made, starting with Joe Lombardi being number one. But the clock also starts, Dan. On my favorite time of the year, because regardless of anything that is taking place, obviously, right now and the hurt that we're all feeling, it's time to look towards April 27th and the NFL draft. So I got the invite. We'll we'll be get we'll be getting into the we'll be taking deep dives into that uh, in the weeks to come. Um, But again, thank you guys so much for your support on here. We really appreciate it. We always love interacting with the fans. Um, We're definitely going to be doing the spaces. conversations that we did last night more often because that was a ton of fun last night. It went for an hour and a half long. <laughs> Loved hearing everybody's thoughts and questions as it relates to this unfortunate Chargers situation that we all find each other our, ourselves in. But um, again, really uh, appreciate the support from everybody here. Um, and we're looking forward to riding this wave along with everybody right now. Gretz Ubaldo asks Jake, when are we having a draft pod? Need some names to check highlight tapes. Oh, don't you worry, Gretz. We are about to go ham. Gretz is just brought in the bear right now, baby. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Um, Jake, you know what we both need right now? 
Uh, you know it's coming. Athletic Greens is going to help everyone feel better. I promise it will. No. Do yourself a favor. Go check out Athletic Greens. If you want some gut health, if you want some positivity in your life, if you want to feel better, they have all the vitamins and minerals. Go to athleticgreens.com backslash chargers unleashed. You take three scoops of the AG or three ice cubes, one scoop of the AG1, put it in a shaker, shake it up with some water, and bam, you look like Heidi Klum if you're a woman. You look like Brad Pitt if you're a man. Look at Jake. He looks ripped because of all the AG1 he has. Uh, he... <laughs> take it from me. I don't, I don't know what tangent you were going on. <laughs> I know how you take your athletic greens. Over the next 48 hours, I might just be taking a scoop of athletic greens with a bottle of, you know, Woodford Reserve. And, or a beer, as Martin Santos Or a says. beer whatever it is, and that will put me in a better mood. Yes. So, again, go get AG1 from Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com backslash Chargers Unleashed. Tell them that we sent you. I think you get, what, five tree, five free travel packs and vitamin D uh, supplement as well if you use that code. Uh, for Jake Hefner, you can find him at Jake T. Hefner. Myself, you can find at Dan W. Sports. At LAC underscore Unleashed is where you find us on Twitter, obviously on YouTube, Spotify, and everywhere else you find it. Um, it has been a crazy year. This has been the craziest Charger season I have ever witnessed. And honestly, we're grateful for all of you through the good, through the bad. Uh, we've made it this far. We can make it through more. Until next time, let's see what happens with this coaching staff. We'll probably find out in the next coming days. Take it easy. We love you all. Thank you so much for everything you guys have brought to us this season. Uh, can't wait to start the next season with Chargers Unleashed. We out, Jake. We did it. We made it through. No tears were shed on my part. I'm excited. Anything else you want to say? Are we done? We're good, man. We good. All right, guys, gals, thank you for all the comments, all the contributions to this. This has been fun. We'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed.